Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Life in the Red podcast. Luke Mullen here as usual, and the return of Amy Just. I'm back. It's been too long. Where Where have you been? Um, letting you and Jordan handle the show <laughs> for a little bit, and then last week uh, I was uh, caught in the travel chaos yes. that everyone and this week uh, was dealing with. So, but I'm back now, and uh, yes, I was delayed for a while, but it you know could have been way worse. Um, was at my mom's house, just kind of chilling for a little bit extra than I planned on being there. But I'm back. I made it to last night's or whatever day that was, Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. Yep. Uh, Thursday's uh, Nebraska's win over Iowa. So I feel like this could be like a, a recurring segment. Where Where has Amy been? Because it's I'm, always every week, you know, it's like you've. <laughs> traveling somewhere, games. It's yeah. uh last week busy. I was yeah, last week I was traveling and had some delays so I couldn't pop in over Zoom. And then the week before I was doing volleyball stuff. And then the week before I don't entirely remember. <laughs> glad glad we've we've reached that stage, but you know, plenty of time, you know, seeing the families. Hope all of you at home, you know, have had a, a good chance to Sit down with family and friends, and of course, and rest and relax yep. before we get into twenty twenty three. Yes, that New Year's coming weird, up. Weird. Always, always an interesting one. Flip the flip the calendar. Remember right twenty twenty two until remember like March. what year it is. <laughs> I can't remember what day it is, let alone what year it is. Anyway, absolutely. So today on Life in the Red, we want to talk a little bit about what do we think twenty twenty three is going to hold. Um, you know, talk about a, a couple different sports, what we see the the future holding, um, our best guess really at at this point in time for most things. But before we get to that, let's start with that that big basketball game you were at last night, Nebraska Iowa and Iowa, very very high scoring team, team that's doing a great job of putting up points this year, and Nebraska just controlled them the whole game. Yeah, it was maybe. Probably one of the best full game defensive efforts yeah. of any team in any game in Fred Hoiberg's tenure. Um, it was just phenomenal the way that they set the tone from about like the 18 ish, 17 ish minute mark in the first half and then just continued to dominate for the rest of the game, including with that. 16 straight missed buckets for yeah. Iowa. Granted, some of those were good looks by Iowa, and they just didn't fall, but a lot of them were making them uh, just take bad looks or mistimed or off-balance type of things or just really well-guarded. Um, and Iowa never recovered from that. Over that span, Nebraska went on a 20-0, to 22-2 run, Um and like I was talking with one of our coworkers earlier, yeah, it's easy to come back from a ten point swing, but twenty, nah. Yeah, well, I mean, I was I was impressed because obviously, I mean, it was like thirteen eight there early in the first half before the, you know that huge run. Well, I mean, Iowa narrowed it a little bit at the end of the first half, and you know, you, you always have that question, you know, who's going to come out of halftime? You know, do you make adjustments? And Nebraska came out of halftime; they had the same level of intensity. If anything, you know, they, they executed some things even better, I think, than they did in the first half um, offensively, too. So complete effort. And you look at kind of the overall stat line. I mean, Iowa shot 26%. Nebraska shot 40.7%, which is a huge difference. But Iowa did attempt 14 more shots. So they were grabbing some rebounds, you know, getting some 
some second chances, but not converting them. Yeah, yeah, and my, I mean, my you have them listed. My players of the game are C.J. Wilcher, Jawan Gary, and Sam Griesel. Yeah. Um, that the moment for me where I was like, oh, for C.J. was when he hit that three at the end, that, like to go in that mm. halftime. That was huge. And then Jawan, he did great things all game. Um, but coming out and him helping set the tone in the second half was really big too. And then Sam is just your kind of do it all type of guy. Um, his second double double of the season uh, yesterday. So, yeah, many more to come. Perhaps the way he's been playing, he's been uh, mm-hmm. on fire. And I think really interesting. All five scorer, all five uh, starters, excuse me, scoring ten or more points. But Derek Walker, I mean, foul trouble. He only played twenty one minutes. I mean, half the game for a guy who's been, you know, perhaps your most impactful big. And Nebraska still found a way to, you know use its depth and, and, you know, use its different lineups to, to get it done. Yeah, he got into foul trouble when it was the game was well in hand for yeah. Nebraska, which helps. Um, but it also gave Nebraska the opportunity to use some different lineups than they normally wouldn't have used because uh, Blaze Keita is still out with his uh, ankle injury um, kind of day-to-day for him. Uh, Fred said last night that the next 48 hours, uh, starting with you know yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, will be pretty important for him as he gets back on the road to recovery. Um, but they played well without him, um, which you're going to need to learn how to play well without people. Yeah, I mean, a, a big, big win. And especially, you know, like I said, Iowa is a, a team that scored the ball well all, all season. Six, yeah, so. they were ranked sixth in the country, yeah. regardless like of power five, small ball, whatever. So I think it just shows, I mean, if Nebraska, I mean, this level of defense, I mean, like you said, it's the best performance they've had. I mean, it's hard to replicate that, but if, if they can still have that commitment to defense, you know, it's, it's easy to see them being competitive against anybody that comes into PBA. Yeah, uh, good tease for my column. That's what I wrote about yesterday. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and you also have to look at it too. Like Iowa is kind of lost right now sure. um, after you know just getting punked last week um, before the break by a mid-major team, and then now you're like, hmm, who is Iowa? I guess we'll find out for sure. And Nebraska going on the road next to Michigan State and Minnesota in the coming week. Uh, we'll see how they perform there, but want to talk a little bit of football. Obviously, Jordan and I, we did a, a whole spiel about signing day, but, you know, you, you were there too. You know, you were, you were seeing some of the, the trends mm-hmm. that Matt Rule has been establishing early on. And so right now, Nebraska currently hovering around 30th um, in the national recruiting rankings, you know, depends on each site. But, you know, roughly, I think being in that range is, is a good success given where he started uh, so just what what did you kind of make of the couple of weeks on the recruiting trail, how this class kind of came together? Yeah, your first class is always tough because it's not entirely your class. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still fingerprints left on it from the previous staff, but you also have some time to do a little bit with what you want, but not the full cycle, right? So what was important for me is that they really – emphasized getting the homegrown kids. Now, some of them were going to come here regardless of who the coach was, as uh, as Rule said in his press conference. Um, but, I mean, other ones like Malachi Coleman, where relationships are so important, um, keeping him, that's a huge win. And then, you know, flipping some guys, interesting, losing some, that's going to happen. Uh, but, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, 
and we will continue to watch more because um, signing day 2.0 is in February and more transfer portal stuff will come out as bowl season wraps up. So, Yep, and a few of those players to keep an, uh, keep an eye on. Edge rusher Cameron Lenhart and cornerback Ethan Nation both announcing at the Under Armour All-American game on Tuesday. Uh, both those players still in the mix for Nebraska. Uh, so we will see with that. But I think just my just quick takeaway was that what they were going after. I mean, they had a very clear idea. Obviously, we've seen the speed at skill positions. Um, seen that linebacker too, lanky cornerbacks. Like, they clearly have an idea of what they're going after. And regardless of position, I mean, this is something that all schools do, but upside. I mean, they were they were taking guys. I mean, you look at somebody like Eric Fields, who Rule spoke very highly of at the end of his press conference. I mean, he's a guy who was unranked, you know, just a couple months ago. Arkansas State was one of his you know, top offers, you know, all of a sudden Nebraska comes in and, you know, he's a three-star. You see his athleticism. Uh, he's a, he's got a lot of speed back there at linebacker. Just that, just that kind of player who he sees and, you know, they see upside. They see a guy who they can develop into a, a major contributor in the future. Yeah. And that's like fields is the mold of guys that they yeah. want to go after guys who are a little unheralded may not get all of the attention right away. Um, some guys are late bloomers and that's the type of guy that, you know, rule wants to go after in addition to going after, you know, the, the big fish, the ones that have garnered all the attention the entire time. Um, cause if they can be somebody's first offer that sticks, mm-hmm. you know, that you'll remember that you may not always go there, but sometimes you do. So we'll see what happens with in the future with some of those guys, um, that they're trying to go after and, get the get the first uh, offer out to some of the undersized guys that are still growing into who they are. Yeah, we're we're seeing a little bit of that with uh with 2024 already. I mean, there were there were, you know, a, a few offers out, but you know, some of them to top 100, you know, top 50 recruits, but like you said, some of them to to guys who are unranked who don't have a whole lot of offers. So, still keeping that that same trend going, but I think the other big thing we got to talk about when it comes to football is the quarterback. I mean, this is uh for any team, you know, it's going to be a major discussion, but could this be, you know, second year in a row, transfer portal co- quarterback coming in, taking the starting job? Uh, Jeff Sims from Georgia Tech, he's committed. He's coming here. Questions about Casey Thompson's health, whether he wants to return or not. And again, those may not be resolved for quite a few months until spring. Um, but as it stands right now, I mean, clearly Nebraska and Matt Rule, they, they see something in Jeff Sims think he's going to be a good fit for the offense. What what do you make of, of Sims' commitment to Nebraska? Yeah, I think that if you find a guy that you, you fall in love with and think it's going to fit, it's great. Um, that just breeds more competition for the guys who are around. Um, just knowing what I think we know about mm-hmm. what Nebraska's offense is going to look like, regardless of who the quarterback is, they're going to be asked to run more. Um, in comparison to last year, not that Casey didn't run, right? Uh, he did, uh, but I feel like there's more. There's going to be more designed yeah. runs for quarterbacks instead of just scrambling outside of the pocket. Um, but yeah, it, Casey's a huge question mark. I don't know what he's going to do. Um, I don't think anybody knows what he's going to do. Um, I would love to see him back. I I really enjoy watching Casey. I like talking to Casey. I think he's a really good dude. Um, but there's a lot of kind of craziness going on out there as he, you know, just recovers for himself, yeah, right? Yeah, his health, yeah, obviously. Um, and, you know, what 
you know, his prospects are, if he wants to go into the portal again, if he wants to stay, if he just wants to be a person, Mm -hmm. I don't think he's going to do that. Uh, He's the most competitive person I know, (laughs) but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out. And I don't know if we'll know in the near future. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that, that's something that we'll probably see over the course of a few months kind of play out because, you know, again, things have changed with when players can enter the transfer portal, there are set windows for that. But at the same time, I mean, these decisions are made over the course of several months. So there will be players coming and going um, at Nebraska and other places, of course. So we'll see, we will see. But I mean, that's, that's part of looking ahead to the future, which is uh, what we, we should do right now for, for 2023. I think we should start with a couple of sports that are in season, women's and men's basketball going on right now, because uh, we actually have a, <laughs> a somewhat of a sense of mm-hmm. how things are going rather than just wild guesses and crazy visions for the future, which I'll get into later. But, uh, you know, starting off with the women's basketball team, they've had some really big wins, a couple of ranked losses, but it hurts right now that, that Allison Widener out for the rest of the year. Heartbreaking. Um, she is one of the only players that would like try to go make that play, mm-hmm. which you lose your bulldog, right? Yeah. And it's just, it's so heartbreaking because she's just kind of the engine that makes that team go um, in terms of energy and all of that. Um, yeah, seeing her out for the season, that sucks. Um, but other people are going to have to step up now. Um what that means for them moving forward is that, you know, they're going to have to find somebody that brings that energy, that goes and makes those plays that Allison normally would. Um, and they're going to have to figure out chemistry for new lineups. Um, thankfully, you know, Sam Hybe looks like she's going to be, yep. you know, getting closer and closer to 100% every day, but I don't know if she's going to be 100% tomorrow. I don't think that's going to happen. I think she, there's just easing, they are just easing her back in. Sorry, I'm super congested right now. Um, they're just easing her back in. Um, and Jazz Shelley's going to have to, you know, be a little more selfish, I think. Well, she's, uh, she's proven that, you know, just give her the ball. Let her, let her check up some shots. I mean, usually <laughs> that, that seems to be going pretty well so far. Uh, she's had quite a few high-scoring games. But definitely, I mean, figuring out that guard situation, that'll be Amy Williams, you know, problem for the next couple of days, next couple of games to figure that out. But the other side of things in the post, I mean, Maggie, Maggie Mendelson, you know, she comes over from, from volleyball and is immediately, you know, making, making an impact on, on the basketball side of things too. Oh yeah. It's, uh, I really liked the, the lineup that they used in, I think the second and third overtimes against Kansas when they had both of their bigs in uh, with Markowski and Mendelssohn. That was fun. I like that a lot. So maybe we'll see more of that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I like post-play. So. <laughs> For sure. I mean, it's it's part of the the challenge, you know, to adjusting to the personnel you have and, and mm-hmm. developing that offense. And I have no doubt Amy Williams can, can spin up some fun concepts for sure. Uh, but I, I guess, you know, just as we look forward to 2023, I mean – how much is is NCAA tournament still in in the equation now? Oh yeah, I mean they're already at what ten wins. Yeah. I think that they they need to get to eighteen to be on the bubble, and then nineteen twenty I think will 
give them more of a lock. I think they can do that, but the road is tougher now that they don't have Allison. Yep. And I mean, very solid conference to a lot of good teams to, to go up against. So they'll still have those, those chances to get those big wins and, and keep marching towards that goal for sure. Yeah. I think they can do it. It's just going to be a little harder. Yep. Absolutely. Well, on the, on the men's side of things too, um, things are looking up for them. Obviously after this win over Iowa, defense is leading the charge, uh, but kind of, you know, the, maybe the pessimistic or a little, a little bit more, you know, crashing back to reality is, you know, how long can they keep up this sustained defensive effort? Well, start of the season, I mean, it, it hasn't really gone away yet, has it? No, you, I mean, the K-State game, uh, you hope was an anomaly. True. Yeah, true. Um, that was ugly and bad and gross, and all of them will say all of those same things because it was. And, but they bounced back from that, and they needed to, right? Um, but as we move into conference play, um, further into conference play, right? They had a few conference games earlier. Um, you just wonder how um, they can keep that balanced attack um, and keep things spread out. You know, when you have all five of your starters scoring in double figures and all of the, you know, key guys with seven, eight, nine, ten plus rebounds, um, how things will change once Blaze gets back into. Uh, the rotation, um, yeah, I I mean, this is the best start through 14 games that Nebraska basketball has had with Fred, period. It's the best start that they've had since the last year of Miles' tenure. So that's optimistic. Um, before the year, I thought they'd get to 10, 12 wins, and now I'm thinking it's going to be a lot more than that. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, forget about best start. I mean, they're almost at the the most wins any Hoiberg coach mm-hmm. team has had. Yeah, of course, I didn't want to get ten wins last year, eight wins yeah. so far. So I didn't want to jinx anything because yeah. people would blame me for that. So didn't want to get <laughs> so they so they can blame me. Yeah, it's okay. your fault. <laughs> glad glad I could do that. And and I mean, like like we said earlier, I mean, PBA will be a tough tough place for for teams to come play. And but the other thing is, you know. The conference scheduling, I mean, you play some of these midweek games, you know, you only have a couple of days to mm-hmm. to turn around for your next opponent. So that'll be where the the depth and, you know, the conditioning to an extent is really tested. Yeah, and, I mean, you just have to look at this next week. I mean, neither the men nor the women play at home next week. They're out, All their games are on the road. So going to be tough moving forward, especially right now. For sure. So we will we will see how the rest of – the seasons turn out there for, for both the basketball teams and looking ahead to a couple other major sports coming up in 2023 for baseball. I mean, we're only six weeks away from uh, start of the season there in mid-February, um, but still a lot of unknowns for the team right now. Uh, still going to be have to determine the final roster. Some players got to make the cut. Um, and just to, to keep it brief on this, you know, because, I mean, you've got so many pitchers, lineup decisions. I mean, it's just really hard to to guess where baseball is going to go. I just think 23 and 30 last year, that is like so firmly in the rearview mirror. I mean, the roster has changed a lot. Some of those leaders are still back, but I think it's a, a young, hungry roster um, that should trend more towards a winning season in 23. And But that's what we said last year too, right? Well, no. I, I, no high expectations. Last year, yeah, last year high was more veteran. Yeah. Well, I meant the sentiment, not okay, the personnel. Yep. Um, they're going to win the Big Ten, and that didn't happen. So 
always reasoned, uh, I think is a good approach. But yeah, no, that was, I wasn't here for that, but I feel like that of all the major sports might've been the, the biggest disappointment yeah. for 22. Expectations can be a curse. Yes, they can. As, uh, as the volleyball team well knows, but mm -hmm. let's move on to them. I mean, because I think obviously, I mean, it was, uh, some pressure coming into the year for them. You know, a lot of veteran players, you know, that, that it was their last chance, you know, to, mm -hmm. to really go out with a bang, maybe some young players, you know, trying to really grow into their own. And some of them really did. So now as we look forward to 23, I mean, the big question is, of course, setter, because Nicklin Hames graduating, Ani Evans transferring. So you got Kennedy Orr and incoming freshman Bergen Riley. That'll be a, a real battle to, to see who takes that starting setter job. But I mean, for a freshman, I mean, that, that'd be tough. You got to think that, that Orr has the inside track, right? You'd think so. Um, but then they chose Nick Glenn and Ani last year yeah. uh, to play over here or play over her um, for most of the year. So we'll see how the offseason treats her. Um, if they decide, if Nebraska decides to go after another setter, um, there are some veteran ones in the portal. Um, if they did that, though, that would mean that somebody else would have to leave. Um, it's just a lot of uh, kind of figuring out um, to do. But they did uh, they did bring in um, a really, really talented outside um, who um, kind of complicates things in a good way, yes. right? Um, yeah, so it's uh, Merritt Beeson is a – she's the real deal, man. So how she factors into things with, I mean, already all of the outsides mm -hmm. – um, that they have is uh, going to be interesting. You wonder the 6-2 is not optimal for um, teams when you don't have one really, really good center. Um, but if you have all the hitters like that, you want to play them all, right? So will be interesting, but that is a discussion for the, down the road. Yes. <laughs> I mean, the, the thing that's kind of interesting, too, is the balance of the veteran – players versus, you know, you get a, a really talented freshman class coming in, you know, how much mm -hmm. can you give them time right away? Of course, I mean, the, the non-conference lends those opportunities more, but I'll be very interested to see how John Cook wants to integrate this freshman class uh, and give them time right away. Because as you said, I mean, the, the hitter spots are just full of players. I mean, middle blocker, you do have Becca Alec, Maggie Mendelson, and then Andy Jackson coming in. Uh, so plenty of depth there in the middle. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the hitters. I mean, you have that junior class, Baton Horse, Krause, Lonstein, Beeson coming in, um, Kubik as well. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. uh, there's five right there. I mean, you've got freshmen as well. I mean, it's uh, a loaded group of hitters. But the question is, I mean, who, who really steps up as that you know, top outside who you're, you're always counting on in those key moments? Do you think, you think it'll be Beeson? Um, I think... I mean, before she came into the fold, I said it was going to be Krause. Yeah. And I still think it could be Krause. But uh, Beeson makes a strong case. But, again, you need to figure out who your setter is going to be before you can figure that out. Because, I mean, the, the relationship that you have with your, with your hitters as a setter is super important. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pose a tough question here. As we do look forward to 23, what – what do you think is a, a reasonable expectation right now, you know, as we sit here right now? I mean, they'll make the postseason. They'll make it to the second weekend. It's just do they get out of the second yeah. weekend. And I think the key for that, as I've said, 
is center. If you have a consistent center, it wouldn't surprise me if they make it to Tampa. That's where the final floor is next year. Um, but if they have some issues, that'll be – I mean, that's just the biggest thing. The setter is like the quarterback for the offense. So if they have one that's serviceable, second weekend, maybe their ceiling. If they have a really good one, they'll make it. Yep. I love the talent that they have. I love it. It's, it's going to be fun. But how fun? We'll find out. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, think about setter like that. I mean, if you've got if you've got an elite one, they cover up holes, you know, differences. It just makes the whole the whole game just seems to be so much smoother with uh with an elite setter like that. So I mean, that's the the big question mark. Can Nebraska get that consistent elite level of play? And we will see, of course, uh, in 2023 for the volleyball team. And last uh, last sport to talk about, of course, football. Uh, a winning season, a bowl game. I mean, these have been the the conversations for several years now. Of course, now there's a, a new head coach, a new regime, uh, a new vision for the program coming in as well. Uh, so I think kind of the, the interesting thing to, to look at here is Matt Rule's year ones as he does these rebuilds at Temple and at Baylor have historically been very bad. But, I mean, the talent that he comes in that he'll be working with from day one in Nebraska is a lot different than the situations he's had at those other two stops. Yeah, absolutely. Do I think they make a bowl? I don't. Um, there's just a lot of moving pieces. Um, and granted, that may change, right, by the time we get to August. Yep. Because things will be much more set. Um, them not having Garrett Nelson um, is going to be tough. Um you know, he is, was, you know, one of the biggest leaders on that team, one of the most vocal leaders on that team last year. And not having him around is, uh, there's going to be some growing pains for that, both on the field and as, you know, younger guys develop into mm-hmm. becoming leaders themselves. Um, and then obviously you have to get quarterback figured out and who your top wide receiver is going to be. Um, but that has to happen with every team, right? Um but yeah, I don't, I don't, so it stands right now. I don't think they get there. Um, there's just so many question marks. Um, defensive line is one of them. Um, linebackers is a little more set, I think, hopefully, that everybody comes back healthy there. Um, and then in the secondary, um, you've got some mainstays, but, you know, do they continue to step up and step forward uh, and be even bigger leaders than they were? I think so, but. You can't build a team around one person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I, I'm going to say the opposite of you, uh, of course. That's fine. As I, we don't as have I tend to agree. To, um, which you know, it's it's really hard to judge this team on paper. It's December, yeah. so it's <laughs> it's impossible. But uh, what I will say is, I I think that the offensive line should be improved, which is not a, a super high bar to to cross. Mm-hmm. But you get. Ben Scott coming in, Arizona State transfer, probably going to slot in there at center. Teddy Prohaska could be healthy again. Nora Denoli is back. And, of course, all the other players, um, you know, the Bryce Benharts, the Ethan Pipers, now that they have another year of experience, you know, Donovan Rayola working with them for another year. I'll be very interested to see how those guys can keep improving because, I mean, that's, to me, that's, you know, we saw how much of an impact that made at various times in games 
you know, swinging the momentum or, you know, the point scoring of things. So if that for me, just as long as that unit can be much better, I mean, that's a, a tangible one winner or two win improvement to me. Yeah. Um, but that's last year. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, like you said, I mean, wide receiver is another big question mark there on offense. Of course, Marcus Washington, Elante Brown, those are guys who both contributed, but not really in a to an extent of, you know, five, six catches a game or anything like that. So can those guys step up as a number one? You'd think Marcus uh, Washington would be the the clear leader there. And then you've got all this young talent, a lot, mm -hmm. and I mean a lot of young wide receivers in this building, freshmen, redshirt freshmen, sophomores. Can somebody emerge? I mean, that'll that'll be the thing that we got to watch in the spring. Who are those players that really step up? And we might not be talking about them now, but we'll be talking about them then. Yeah, and one thing that'll be interesting um, is who will be coaching them? Yes. That is one of the few vacancies um, that Matt Rule still has left to fill. Perhaps from uh, from the NFL ranks, which is what you would think, you know, with, yeah. with something taking this long, um, you know, season's still ongoing. So we'll see. We'll mm -hmm. see. Yeah. He said uh, during his uh, signing day press conference that those will, those spots will get filled here um, in early January, mid-January. So that timing uh, lends you to think that it would be somebody from the NFL but maybe not who knows certainly well I mean also the the other thing on defense as you mentioned I mean Garrett Nelson losing him is a, a big big loss um, you look at this defensive line and edge rusher group Colton Feast also not returning to Nebraska he had an extra year of eligibility he could have used um, O'Shawn Mathis off to the NFL so you look up Caleb look, Tanner yeah done. Yep, you look at it up front, and, and Nash Hutmaker, Ty Robinson, suddenly very important along a defensive line. And that edge rusher, Jamari Butler, I mean, he was, he was in the portal. Now he could be a day one starter. Wild how things uh, yeah. tend to change. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's just the name of the game. You know, when you have really talented guys like, you know, Garrett and O'Shawn that they want to go to the NFL, and then, you know, that's just the nature of things when you have a lot of veterans. Um, you don't think they're all going to disappear overnight, but yeah, that's the situation that uh, Nebraska is finding itself in right now. Certainly. And so, I mean, that's uh, the thing about the defense is that there are a lot of question marks. A lot of new starters will be coming in. As you mentioned, linebacker Luke Heimer, Nick Henrik, very important. A lot of experienced players in the secondary as well, starters returning uh, from this season. So, we kind of already addressed it with the bowl, you know, winning winning record. But what do we think, you know, as as we stand here looking ahead to twenty three? What would you say the ceiling is for Nebraska, and likewise the floor? I mean, so I just think they're gonna be four or five wins next season. Maybe that's a bowl. Who knows? <laughs> that I mean, as we get so many bowl games, more five and seven teams make it, and. You know, if Nebraska does get to five and seven and there's five and seven bowls to be had, Nebraska will be like the top choice for that. Um, but I just I don't think six wins next year is in the cards as it is right now on December 30th. <laughs> um, but maybe I'll be wrong. I was wrong last year. I thought they were going to be pretty decent last year. And then that didn't happen. So I'd love to be wrong. 
I like I like that you keep putting in the the disclaimer that it's December, so that <laughs> all y'all don't clip this and like you know tweet at us and old takes yeah, exposed in October or whatever. Like, come on, it's uh <laughs> it's December over here. But I will I will put a a quick number on it. I think ceiling seven wins maybe. I mean that's you know I I wouldn't say much higher than that because you're yeah. thinking about a really really good team, obviously to get there. And I mean the floor three wins. I mean that. That sounds really bad, but I don't think that'll happen. You never know. Teams can but, regress. I mean, teams oh, can regress too. Sure. So I just feel like they'll get more than three. Yeah, I don't think they'll. No, I, I I agree with you too. But <laughs> injuries, any anything can happen. True. Um, certainly, especially when it's what eight months before <laughs> before things will uh, yeah. will really be picking up. So. Lots, lots to consider in the next couple of weeks. Like you said, staffing, uh, more, more recruiting changes to come. Um, they are, they're already, Nebraska coaching staff already reaching out to plenty of 2024 recruits. We'll have lots of time, lots of off season to discuss that, of course. But uh, I think that's about all we can do mm-hmm. for our 2023 outlook. Our best guess, or maybe our worst guess, we'll see. Maybe. We'll see how things shake out, but... Of course, I uh, appreciate all of you tuning in all year long uh, to Life in the Red. Wish all of you a very, very happy New Year's, and thanks for watching today's 2023 prediction episode.